eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Nelson, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas. Both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody, welcome in the Utopia Football Podcast. It is uh, New Year's, it's 2024. Happy New Year, everybody. Our first podcast of the new calendar year, and it is leading up to a huge game for the Houston Texans. All roads leading to Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis on Saturday night, 7.15 p.m. And uh, it is a, uh, it's basically, it's win and you're in for the Texans, lose and you're out. We'll lay out the whole situation for you as the Texans get their first non-noon Sunday kickoff of the 2023 season. Welcome in, everybody. I'm Sean Pendergast alongside, uh, well, Sean Pendergast, part of Payne and Pendergast, Sports Radio 610, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. weekdays, and, of course, joined by the Hall of Famer, my good friend John McClain, who is our senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com. And, John, as we outlined on Sunday evening, we got our wish. We got our Texans beating the Titans scenario in play. I would say that a lot of people out there, too, got their wishes to when this game's going to be played. This is going to be awfully fun to see the Houston Texans play on a national stage with the Monday Night Football announced team there, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. It's going to have a big game feel, and it's pretty simple. The Texans win. They're in the postseason. They lose. They're done. So this is a playoff game for both of these teams. Before I start, I'd like to congratulate you on your 10-year anniversary at Sports Radio 610. Thank you, John. Appreciate that. you got that. a chance to be pretty good someday. Just keep it up. <laughs> Maybe you'll get on a podcast. Maybe a podcast. Maybe I'll get to do a national show at some point. I'd love to host the Texans pre or post game show. That would be a lot of fun. (laughs) Um, My first show ever that I did at 610, John, the guest on that show that day was John McClain. I say guest. You were you were a fixture at that point. I was just a, a dude in his first day at work. But I remember it was me and Rich. And you out at a bar somewhere the day after Bill O'Brien got hired. That, that was my first yeah. ever show at Sports Radio 610. Yeah. I've been yep. doing radio since 76 here, and I can't remember them all. The only thing I remember is my first one, too. And uh, I always wonder when's going to be the last. By the way, I feel bad for all the Longhorn fans 
who won't be coming to NRG Stadium for the championship Monday night, losing that tough, tough game to Washington. And then Alabama, I picked Alabama and Texas, losing to Harbaugh in Michigan. I noticed a while ago Darren Ravel said the tickets have dropped, biggest drop in history in a short period because of the Longhorns and Alabama would have yeah. brought a huge contingent. They're still going to be sold out, but you can get in for a whole lot cheaper now oh, yeah. than you no, could but- have if uh, the Longhorns and Crimson Tide had been playing. And maybe, just maybe the next week, the Texans will be hosting a playoff game, the Cleveland Browns in a rematch with C.J. Stroud, because if the Texans win and Jacksonville loses the next day at Tennessee, then the Texans win the division. Yeah, so let's let, let's let's. I want to lay that out, um, but before we do that, John, just the dynamic of the Texans playing at seven fifteen on Saturday night when they've been in this same routine all year long, with noon starts on Sundays. Literally, they're the only team the entire year that has not had their schedule disrupted. I think they're going to be fine. They've got plenty of vets on this team that know how to just sit around all day and wait for a prime time game to get there. But why, just early thoughts, because we'll do a deeper dive preview on Thursday on the on the podcast here, John. But just thoughts on the scheduling of this game. What's it say about the Texans that the, the league decided to go ahead and put this game in primetime on Saturday with the Monday Night Football crew? And I guess, you know, probably speaks a lot, I would imagine, to the box office of C.J. Stroud, I would think. I would think you're right. I'm still stunned that they have Pittsburgh and Baltimore in the early window. Even though the game doesn't mean anything for the Ravens, it's still a tremendous rivalry with the Steelers having a national audience. Texans have been one of the biggest, maybe the biggest surprise in the NFL this season. Still amazing to me, Sean. They have a chance to finish 10-7 and after they finish 3-13-1, a chance to win the division or make the playoffs. But the big guns are going to be there. Joe Buck, Troy Eggman, Lisa Salters. Uh, they're going to bring out all their big guns for the Colts and the Texans. You know, the, the Texans have won four of their last eight there. And there's players on this team, not many, who have won in Indianapolis besides that game at the end of last year that meant so much but in a different way. So it's not like it, what it used to be when they started 017 in Indianapolis Mm -hmm. before they've gone four and four and they need a second victory in a row. Really, really bad. Really bad. I mean, it's just, they win and they're in, they lose and they're out and it's really simple. And then from there, if they win, then we sit and watch on Sunday and see where they go or if they end up staying at home uh, because they win the division and the Tennessee Titans, who I have very little faith in after watching them last week to do the Texans dirty work for them. I think if, I think the most likely scenario is that the Texans are, uh, or a seven seed uh, traveling to Buffalo. But I guess let's let's talk about that, John, because for a playoff picture that's been very crowded and convoluted all year long, I mean, so many teams, there was a point in the season where there were five or six teams with the same record, seven and six, something like that. Um, it thinned out last week for sure with a couple of teams losing. And as far as the Texans go, it's very, very simple. They're, they, if they win, they're in the playoffs. And if they win and Jacksonville loses, they're the division champs. There's only three scenarios as far as to where and who they could be playing come next weekend. I, I won't even say Saturday or Sunday because we don't know what day that would be. But if they win the division, they'll be home for the Cleveland Browns. It'll be a rematch of the game that just took place a couple of weeks ago. If they're a wild card, depending on what happens in the other games, they could either be the sixth seed traveling to Kansas City or the seventh seed traveling to Buffalo. 
Do you have a preference among all those scenarios? If if the Texans are to win, if do you have a favorite of those three different scenarios? Absolutely. They asked me on in the loop, would you rather play at Buffalo or Kansas City or home against the Browns? I said, home against the Browns. Yeah. Now, Flacco's thrown a lot of interceptions. Case Keenum didn't play in the first game. The secondary was awful. They got short. They got. They don't need long memories because it's been so uh, close since they played them and they get some injured players back. Give me the Browns at NRG Stadium with a sold-out crowd uh, any day over traveling to Orchard Park, New York, or Kansas City, even though both of those teams have been struggling lately, especially the Chiefs. But you can't believe, can't beat that home cooking. I, John, I, two things I think I'm with. I'm a hundred percent with you on that answer. Like I just, I, I'm, I t- take a step back and I go, am I, am I taking crazy pills that I don't want to win the division? Like it's the, it's the Cleveland's a good team that's playing good football. But look, Joe Flacco's played four or five games, you know, and there have been interceptions. There have been should be interceptions with Joe Flacco. I think there's also an element of, boy, he's never played at this level other than one postseason his entire career. What goes up must come down. And I think two things about this. One, if you'd said the sentence two months ago, as we all get swept up in Flacco mania, if you had said, look, these are your playoff scenarios, would you like to play a home game against Joe Flacco? Or would you like to go on the road to play either Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes? <laughs> I would have been like, what are we to, What are we talking about here? What are we doing? So I, I can't just look at five games of Joe Flacco and be scared of that. And I understand the Browns have a good defense. But that brings me to my second point. I think to pick any of the other two scenarios is disrespectful to C.J. Stroud. You didn't have C.J. freaking Stroud in that game against the Cleveland Browns. Like he, He's been one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And all of a sudden, we're just conceding that, nope, the Browns are going to do the same thing to C.J. Stroud that they did to Case Keenum. Get out of here with that. So I'm with you. Like, when do we want to stop winning divisions? Like, this is this is silly to me. So um, not to mention it's indoors versus playing in cold weather in Kansas City or Buffalo. Like, I I just either of those choices to me, like, I, I can entertain an argument. Would you rather go to Kansas City or go to Buffalo? I can sit there and debate those. And I think that's actually a fairly easy argument this year, too. I'd rather play Kansas City, given how kind of just disjointed their season's been this year they, they just they've got bad mojo around that team I think they need an offseason to kind of reset um but to throw the scenario of them winning the division in there and go now let's just keep talking about these two wild card scenarios that's just silly to me I agree the yeah. Flacco I know they're wacko for Flacco as they're screaming up there all day every day and uh, I just think it'd be a they may not win the game over the Browns, but it wouldn't be lopsided. I don't think on the first play they're going to hit a 53-yard gain to Amari Cooper. Uh, even though he likes to throw the ball deep, I think they would get to him more, especially if Will Anderson's back. And we got a lot coming up on Will Anderson in the general news and notes. But Ooh, uh, to me, with, without a doubt, it would have to be to have the Browns here for a home game rather than playing – Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen on the road. Yeah, the more I talk about it, the sillier I think it is that we're even debating this. Not you and me. I mean, you and I are on the same side of this, but that there's Landry put up a poll about this, and I think 49% of the people agree with us. 42% though said they'd want to go to Kansas City. Like 8% said they'd want to go to Buffalo. That's the only thing we can all agree on is a trip to Buffalo to play the Bills would be miserable. And the wild thing about that is the Bills might not even make the playoffs. If they lose and the Steelers win, uh, they're they're out. (laughs) The Bills are. So... Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Crazy, crazy times. All right, John, let's get to your general news and notes. We'll preview the, the Texans and the Colts more hardcore on, uh, on Thursday's episode. And we'll get to the mailbag a little bit later on in this episode, HOU mailbag at gmail.com if you want to send in a question uh, for a future mailbag. But, John, fire away. General news and notes. Give, give, us some, give us some numbers and stats and whatnot to make us sound smart at the water cooler. Speaking of Will Anderson, Jr., because of his bad ankle, he took only 12 snaps against the Titans. He had two sacks and six pressures. And if he can play that way, in his last game at Indianapolis, whether he plays 12 snaps or 22, it's a good chance he's going to win defensive rookie of the year wow. because Jalen Carter and the Eagles defense and defensive line have dropped off the face of the earth. Devon Weatherspoon of Seattle is hurt and Will's coming on strong. And you know, it's strange because it's not that the Texans haven't played in prime time. They haven't even played in the late window which is great for deadlines and those of us who want to work after the game and then go home and watch the other games. But this one, Saturday night, they've got the entire national audience to watch them, and it's a great time, not just for C.J. Stroud, but other players, Nico Collins, Will Anderson Jr., Derek Stingley Jr., Mm -hmm. I hope Jonathan Greenard, as I keep hearing him pronounce, people hear Grenard, that he's able to come back and play and add some more money onto that new contract that's coming. But Will Anderson has got a great opportunity. Another thing, Sean, about him, he had seven sacks now. And it was very interesting that he broke the record that he shared with Whitney Merciless and Brooks mm-hmm. Reed. Brooks mm-hmm. played and Wade Phillips is out 3-4 and rushed a lot. And it was not J.J. Watt, and it was not Mario Williams. J.J. had five and a half sacks as a rookie, and he did pretty well that second season with 20 and a half. And Mario had four and a half as a rookie, and then he turned around and had 14 as a sophomore. So there's time left in this season, but I can't wait with Will Anderson Jr. to see what he's going to do next season. Yeah, John, I'm with you. I think a couple things. One, Boy, that would be something if Will Anderson came back to win the defensive rookie of the year. He was 16 to 1 last week, John, while he was out injured. And now I think the new odds this week, he's Jalen Carter's still the favorite, a pretty substantial favorite on the odds board. But I'm with you. This nationally televised game is a big opportunity for people to get a good look at Will Anderson. I think it's a good opportunity for people who are still critical of the trade to understand what Will Anderson means to that defense if they haven't had a chance to watch him play yet. I'm with you on the ascension of Will Anderson. It's very reminiscent of J.J. Watt. Like, J.J. started to figure some things out at the end of that rookie year, and come playoff time, he was the best defensive player on the field for the Texans in that postseason run against Cincinnati 
and against Baltimore. He was tremendous in both of those games. I think the game on Saturday, too, the primetime, I know you've got more notes to get to, but as long as we're talking about this aspect of it, I think it's a big opportunity for the the nation to see what Nick Casario's put together, too. Um, you know, the, the, the Texans get a lot of attention because of C.J. Stroud, and I think Nick is one of the four, one of the front runners for GM or executive of the year because of what Stroud has done and maybe to a lesser degree Anderson and certainly what the team has done, that the team is in the playoff hunt in week 18. But I think the chance to get to look at some of the little moves that Nick has made, the one-year deals that he gave to guys like Dalton Schultz, Devin Singletary, see how important those guys are to the offense. If Laramie Tunsil can't play, you've got George Fant out there playing tackle who he picked up off the street. Um, some of the moves that he's made since the trade deadline along the waiver wire. Derek Barnett has been a really valuable piece for this defense. Um, Kareem Jackson got 19 or 20 snaps in the game last week. Um, T.R. Tart got in the game and made a few plays against his former team. Um, so Nick Des- bringing Desmond King back has been huge. Desmond King played 80% of the snaps and played well, other than the 15-yard penalty, played really well against the Tennessee Titans. He's basically a starter because they play mostly nickel, and he's out there in nickel. So I, I think it's a cool opportunity for people to kind of take a look at what Casario has done uh, this year specifically. You know, I think there's still a lot of questions about the draft last year, watching, seeing Kyle Hamilton get named to a bunch of all pro teams at the end of the year hurts a little bit right now with the, they could have taken him with that pick that they took Kenyon Green with. But, uh, but as far as like the moves this year that have affected this team, Nick's had a great season. And I think that'll be on display too. I saw a list on Monday from a national guy who had five candidates for executive of the year. And Casario wasn't on there. I hope it wasn't okay. oversight. Cause That's silly. I'll be surprised if, if he doesn't, uh, win it. And he was talking about Eric DaCosta, the Ravens, who's had his quarterback all year being a leader. And I didn't buy that at all. Also never forget right after the draft, another national guy who I should not mention because I know him and I don't want to embarrass him wrote that the Texans franchise has set themselves back 10 years by making this deal for Will Anderson Jr. and giving up their number one pick, leaving out that they have a number one pick from Cleveland. By the way, Texans should want the Browns to lose this game that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So it'll help their draft standing to get that first round pick. Anyway, not well, to real quick of, too. Real, real yeah. quick too, John, on that Cleveland draft thing. Sorry, they should hope that they face Cleveland in the playoffs too for that other reason. Where if they beat Cleveland, then that helps the Texans draft pick. You know what I mean? Like if the the further Cleveland goes in the playoffs, the worse that pick gets because the playoff teams draft. Capital is all determined by how far you get in the postseason. So beating the Browns in the postseason makes that draft pick better too. Sorry, they like to be big fans of whoever goes up against the Browns in the playoffs. If it's not them. And speaking of sacks, Texas have had 14 in the last three games. That's more than anybody in the league, Mm -hmm. and they've tied their all-time record of 45 sacks set in 2015. So if they just get one against Gardner Minshew, they will set the team record. Hopefully, they get a lot more than one. Yes, absolutely. And some other things, Sean, from Next Gen Stats and Pro Football Focus, this is not a surprise. Next Gen Stats, which is compiled by the NFL, the best thing that Texans do is stop the run. And run-stop win rate, they're second in the league. Mm-hmm. In run defense, they're tied for third right now. And their pass rush win rate 
is third. So second against the run, third against the pass, not surprising. These next two won't be surprising either. Uh, Their pass block win rate is 10th in the NFL, and their run block win win rate is 20th. No surprise. All those stats line up with what we think of them from watching them, what they do best. I, you know, I'll be honest. Yeah. And, and I, I would be real curious, John, like what was their run block win rate like a month ago? Because my guess is it's improved over that period oh, every of time. week. They've, they've run the ball much better. The last three games, even the Cleveland game, they ran the ball. Okay. It's just that game got out of hand. You know, the game, the, the you, you had to throw the ball. Davis Mills came in and threw the ball 32 freaking times in the second half of that game. So um, yeah, I, I, uh, man, I hate to say this because my compass has been so off with the Texans over the last few months. When I feel good about how they're going to do, they perform poorly. When I feel nervous about how they're going to do, I would say the only the game I was real nervous about the Jets game, but I was nervous. I thought they might lose a close game. I had no idea. I, I wouldn't have thought in a million years it was going to play out the way it did. So I am. I, I feel. I feel optimistic about this game on Saturday night. Yeah, I don't. You don't. No. no. Okay. Okay. I wish I did, but but I felt I was nervous about the uh, Titans game. Yeah. I thought they might. And I'll tell you something else about the Titans and the Jaguars. For Texans purposes, they would want Ryan Tannehill to be the starting quarterback because he is he's trying to get an audition for a new job. Plus, he's healthy. Will Levis is not. So if Tannehill is starting against the Jaguars, I think it gives them a better chance to pull an upset. And looking at pro football focuses grades for this past game, and you mentioned George Fant. Yeah. When he replaced Laramie Tunsil, had a groin injury. And in this last game, if you can walk, you got to play. You got to be all hands on deck. And it doesn't matter if you can't play but five plays. Everybody's got to be in if they can be. Tunsil, of course, is their best lineman. His pass blocking was graded 84.7. His run blocking was 75.2, both number okay. one. Juice Scruggs, according to Pro Football Focus, had his best game as a pass blocker, 82-5. Wow, Michael okay. Dieter, another Nick Casario pickup who didn't even play at a position for the Dolphins last year and has now been the, has been their fourth starter going back to losing Scott Quisenberry. Dieter was 78.6 in pass protection. Shaq Mason, 74-3. Charlie Heck, 73-8. And this is, we know, we don't need to hear see these stats. They're much better pass protection than they are run blocking. Tunsil was 75-2, Scruggs 59-8, Shaq 66-5, Dieter 50.8, and Charlie Heck 41.6. And and Fant was 75-5 on pass blocking and 53-7 on run blocking. But we know they're better at pass protection than they are at run blocking, and that bears out every week. We we should, John, next time we use pro football focus, we should lay out for people because not, not everybody knows how pro football focus works. Those grades that you're saying, those numbers that you're talking about, the best way to look at that is like you're getting graded in a college course. You know, if you have something that's up in – if you're in the 90s, you're excellent. If you're in the 80s, you're really, really good. 70s, okay. I mean, my dad probably would have gotten mad if I had all 75s back in college. But 75, you know, in the 70s is sort of a B – on pro football focus. And then you start to get into the sixties. If you're in the fifties and forties, man, you you're on, you're on like Charlie probation. Yeah. Charlie Hex run blocking. You can probably hear me. He's right there. His, his place is over Maybe there. Whisper. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's, he lives right below me. So I got to be careful, but uh, turn up all three TVs at the same time. <laughs> there you go. Um, so um, 
Yeah, but their pass blocking was good. It was by far. I looked at the the team pro football focus grades week to week for the Texans. I think Patrick Storm posted those. And it was by far as a team their best week pass blocking at the perfect time, you know, against a team they struggled pass blocking against two weeks ago up in Tennessee, mostly because of Juice Scruggs, which is I loved hearing that 82 for Juice Scruggs. You know, the fact that it was against the same personnel and team that he struggled against two weeks ago gives me a lot of optimism about him going into year two, that this is a guy who picks things up quickly and he doesn't make a lot of mistakes over and over again. That's really, really good. As a line, they were 85.3 blocking, uh, pass blocking last week. That's a a B. As a unit. Yeah, it's really good. It was by far their best performance since that stretch early in the year where they didn't give up a sack for a few weeks in a row. Um, So that's great. You got any more notes, John? One more. Okay. Texans are – as I mentioned earlier, tied for third against the run after being last by long shot last year, 170 yards a game. They're giving up 88.5. This is the first time since 2018 when they were 11 and five, one AFC South lost to Indy in the playoffs. And that was when Romeo Cornell was defensive coordinator that they've been in the eighties. But if you, if you take it up, uh, let's see. Over the let's see, they played 16 games. For the last mm-hmm. 14 games, they're averaging 79. Yeah. So they've been great. So I can't wait to see. They're going to shut down Jonathan Taylor, who just hammered them two years ago. He was hurt last year. Right. Killed him. Yeah. He's going to see a whole new diff, do new run defense, and it doesn't matter who's on the field. They didn't have Malik Collins and Jonathan Greenard. And they still play great run defense against Derrick Henry and the Titans. This is the game in which everybody learns Jonathan Greenard is Jonathan Gennard, but Gennard better be on the field. Yeah, no, he needs to be on the field. I, and, and, John, yeah, like D'Amico's touched on that this week. Like that game in week two, that was a different team on both both sides. It was, But a very different Texans team. Zach Moss ran all over them that day, John. And and I, I like that you go back to week three. That, to me, in terms of just how you – assess and handicap the Texans if you were just if you were looking at them purely like okay I need to make a prediction about how I think this team's going to do in such and such game I don't even look at the first two games of the year the Baltimore and Indianapolis games I don't even look at them (laughs) this season started from that the team that we're seeing now to me started in week three against Jacksonville and then it just became they they got their legs under them then they became a team that just played close games and and found ways to win They've been a little inconsistent over the last month or so, but they put themselves in a really good position. John, I'm curious, and we'll get to the mailbag here in a second. If you think they're going to shut down Jonathan Taylor and they've got C.J. Stroud healthy, why is it that as soon as I said, I mentioned optimism about the game, you're like, oh, no, oh, no. Because of the mustache. Seeing the mustache play too well against him. Who's the mustache? Gardner Minshew. That's oh, Minshew. Nickname. Okay, yeah. Well, I, I think rookie of, year, yeah. the mustache. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, I think his wallet some, is more glorious. Than, his hair is more glorious. He's played some really good games against him. Not yeah. throwing five touchdown passes, but just enough to beat him, as he did in the first game. Anthony Richardson yeah. ran for two touchdowns, then got hurt and left. Minshew comes off the bench and leads him to a decisive victory. Stroud threw for 384 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, triple-digit rating, and they still got hammered. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, the dynamics, it was 28-10 at halftime. Like, I, I the yardage stats are, are tough to – it's it's tough to assess in a game that's so out of hand. I, I do know this, John. I remember being in the press box for that game in week two, and at the end of the game, coming over to Clint Sterner before we went down to go do the post game, and I said, I learned one thing in this game. 
CJ Stroud's not the problem. <laughs> you know, like they, they got blown out by the Ravens in week one. They got, I mean, it's close at halftime, but they got blown out in the second half. And in the, that Colts game, they, they pretty much got blown out. I mean, they were out of it for most of that afternoon. They, they threatened a little bit in the second half, but couldn't get over the hump. But you could watch the game with your own eyes that day. Forget about it. It was 384 yards. It could have been, you know, 250, just watching the throws he made and watching how he read things and watching how he did and didn't throw any interceptions. Didn't throw any interceptions for three more weeks after that, too. Um, so, yeah, this will be fun. This will be a whole lot of fun he on Saturday sacked night. six times. It's still yeah. season nine. Yeah, 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 that's right. He got sacked a bunch in that game. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, all right. Uh, you ready to do the mailbag, John? Sure am. Let's do the mailbag. All right. You can email us H O U mailbag at gmail.com H O U mailbag at gmail.com. And let's start it off. Our guy, Jr. and Spicewood. He's, he's the first one in. Hey guys, love the show. Listen religiously after Dell got hurt. CJ joked the tank could be back for the Super Bowl. How is Tank's injury progressing? And if the Texans make a deep run, could he possibly return? Keep up the great work. Let's postpone the offseason for as long as possible. I agree with that last part. John, I know the answer, but go ahead and give JR his answer on Tank Dell and him coming back and how he's doing. Uh, Tank is doing really well. He doesn't have any crutches or anything, and he'll be back in the offseason program. And he can't come back this year because the Texans have already used all their uh, right. they've used up all their returns from the, you, you only get as a team. There's only, you only get eight returns from IR for the whole season. And Kaimi Fairbairn was the final one for the Texans. Boy, that year. was a good decision, wasn't it? Yeah, it was that John, that was, I, I'll say this, like that was really cool to see tank walk out and do the cannon thing before the game as the rep in H town uh, representative. Like that was, I, I was encouraged just to see tank walking normal and walking out there. You know, I, not that I expected this to be an injury where all of a sudden he's walking like Captain Hook or something like that. Um, but that was, I mean, we're um, less than a month removed from from him breaking his leg and he's walking out there to lead the team out onto the field. That was cool. Uh, quick one here from our guy Dave in Buffalo. Who do you guys have right now as your favorite to win the whole thing? John, if you had to pick a Super Bowl winner right now, uh, who is it? I'm picking Baltimore because I picked them before the season, so I'm oh, hoping right. Ravens will make me look good because seldom do I look good. If you had to pick a non-Baltimore team, who would you pick, John? 49ers, I think, as yeah. long as Brock Purdy stays healthy. I think they would have won the Super Bowl last year if they hadn't lost all their quarterbacks, and I think the 49ers um, are the most well-rounded team. Like, like the Ravens, they're set up to win outside in the playoffs with great running games. Christian McCaffrey's hurt. They're going to, he's got a calf muscle. They're going to let him rest. He could rest now for three weeks. So they should be hundred percent. Baltimore's in good shape physically, but I think the two best teams I'd love to see it come down to both of them. If my dream scenario of Detroit and Cleveland fails to materialize. Yeah, you would love that. I, the only reason I don't want Cleveland is one, those people were real obnoxious when they traded for Deshaun Watson and two, <laughs> The Texans have the Browns draft pick, although because if the Browns win the, get to the Super Bowl, then the best the Texans pick would be would be 31st. I will say this. 
That is a juicy, sexy storyline. If the Browns win a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco at quarterback, and then really because they spent so much money on him, have to start Deshaun Watson next year. Like that's, Flacco's gone to some other team, maybe even in the division. Maybe goes to Pittsburgh because they're tired of Kenny Pickett. And oh, I that'd you, be a good one. Couldn't you see that, right? I mean, they got all the yeah. pieces, and you throw Joe yes. Flacco in there. Yeah, that'd be fun. Rudolph right. and Flacco. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, all right, uh, John, our guy Chris in the ATL emails in, and he says, in my opinion, the Colts player who always hurt the Texans with explosive plays was T.Y. Hilton. Man, I hated that guy. Calls him the clown. He said, who is the clown on this Colts team you believe the Texans must prevent from making big plays to secure a win on Saturday? And he says, Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman Jr., or Will Mallory, who's the tight end? Well, first of all, that goes back to a quote. Jonathan Joseph, of all people, never, ever in his whole career had any kind of quote that could be misconstrued as as controversial. But I was there. He said it. He said he acted like a clown. And to T.Y. Hilton's credit, that's when they came here for the playoff game. I believe maybe it was regular season because they won both times in Houston that it year. It was in the playoff. It was a wild card game. Wild and, card. And I think, yeah, he I think showed up in a Hilton. clown mask. As yeah, that was pretty bus. funny. Great sense of humor. But remember, he always called NRG Stadium his home away from home. And it's good that he's not there. To me, everything starts with uh, – Jonathan Taylor, you got to stop him. If you stop him, then at least you can get after Gardner Minshew, who has some mobility but is not a big running threat. When he moves, he's always wanting to throw the ball down the field. But it starts with JT, didn't play in that first game. You know he's hungry to look good against Texans. He almost had 100 yards in that game in which Carolina didn't even show up Sunday. Yep. Uh, this is from Edmund, John, as we keep things moving with the mailbag here. On ESPN.com, I saw Bill Barnwell's list of top players in the NFL at each position. And I just guess to back up, Barnwell did his all-pro team. Uh, I saw it this morning, so it may, it may have dropped overnight. The only Texan on the list was Shaq Mason. He was the second team right guard. Do you concur is Edmund's question. So, I, John, I'll take it both ways. Do you concur that Shaq Mason has had a good enough season to be recognized like that? And two, I think more so, do you concur that that's the only Texan that deserves any mention in something like this? No, because you're going to say Shaq is one of the four best guards in the NFL this season. I don't see it. Right guards. I think if I remember Barnwell's piece actually literally went left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle. Well, maybe he has researched them all and it was just a week here at the position. Shaq's been pretty consistent. Sometimes he's mediocre. Sometimes he's better than that. But at his age, he got a new contract. He's the only guy that started every game in the line. His durability should be praised. But I'd be surprised then if he was one of the two best right guards in the NFL. The Texans' best player overall is Laramie Tunsil. He consistently grades high as a pass protector. And uh, Trent Williams, I'm sure, was his first one. I can't even remember who the second one was. But when you're as bad as the Texans were for so long, you're not going to get a lot of love. Next year is when they'll start to get a little love with some of their players. And uh, because keeping them on position like that, there's so many good pass rushers out there. Will Anderson is number three in the NFL ahead of T.J. Watt in pressures. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. He's a rookie, but I wouldn't say he's one of the three best, four best 
defensive ends in the NFL because there's so many great ones. Yeah, he's got a chance to be that. John, the thing I'm looking forward to this offseason, I don't know how you feel about it. I like the NFL Top 100. I know it's decided in kind of a, you know, janky way. You know, they yeah, pull a, a bunch few of players vote. Yeah, a few players vote. I've never talked to a player who's actually voted. I've asked all of them that I've ever talked to. None of them have voted, but but I always I but whenever I watch for one, I love the presentation. The presentation's great with all the presentations interviews. Presentations are best. You've probably been interviewed for some of them. I'm guessing you've popped up on the NFL top one hundred talking about some of these guys at some point when you've talked about them. The the presentations are great. Like there's little three or four minute vignettes about each guy. I, I love that stuff. To me, it's tremendous. Um, and I and I think the, the 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 rankings themselves tend to line up pretty close to you know what who cares it's the NFL top 100 except I'm anxious to see where CJ Stroud pops up in the NFL top 100 this year given the year that he's had obviously given how down a year it's been for quarterbacks and I think generally speaking people really like CJ Stroud I think there's a popularity element to it as well um, that Pete, that's, I think it's why he's third in pro bowl voting last I looked among all players, not just quarterbacks. Like, I think there is something very, very easy to like about CJ Stroud. And I'm really anxious to see if he's, I don't think he'll be top 25. I'd be shocked if he's not top 50 though, in this thing, you know, top, top 50 means you're one of the top seven or eight quarterbacks. I could see him being up that high in the NFL top 100 this summer. I would think their number one would be Laramie Tunsil, no matter where he lines up. Usually Laramie's in the okay. top 25. He's okay. still their best player. Stroud, you know, just because he's played better than some other quarterbacks yeah. doesn't mean he's going to be better because players that vote, you think there's like 2,000 players in the NFL, about 300 yeah. cast their ballot, but I think a lot of them would still go with a the guy they know and are popular. One of the reasons CJ's so popular He's religious, and and he's sincere about his faith. He also comes from a football-crazed part of the country in uh, Ohio yeah. where they love him with the Bengals. They love him with the Browns. He got so much attention from the fans and the media when they were in Cincinnati before the game, after the game. So his popularity is, gonna, is going to spread. And once he gets his foot in the door, it might not come out when it comes to the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I, I think so, too. John, so, John, you think Laramie Tunsil finishes higher in the NFL Top 100 than C.J. Stroud does? I do, yeah. Okay, that's a lunch bet. I'm betting you lunch on that, John. You got it. I got C.J., you got Laramie, and the, 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 winner, the winner gets lunch, courtesy of the loser. Um, all right, a couple more here. Uh, mailbag, H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com from Charles Honeycutt. Happy New Year, gentlemen. My question is for John. John, you probably get asked this all the time, but I don't know how much we've chopped it up on here. Do you believe Andre has a really good chance of finally making the Hall of Fame this year? How often do you get asked that, John, about All Andre Johnson in the Hall of Fame? At yeah. the game before, at before the game, pregame, you know, yeah. you guys had Travis Johnson on with me, and afterward, yeah. he's over there telling me, you know, you got. I think it's time he gets in. Everybody thinks it's time he gets in. I think it's time thanks, he gets thanks, in. Trav. <laughs> and I'll tell you, uh, and Andre's been so great about it. I've seen him twice. I told him I'd call him before I make the presentation, because I keep him appraised of everything, every step of the way, what I'm doing. And I've told him I'm changing up my presentation a little bit this week. And I've got other people who are going to say the things that I'm leaving out because I want the voters to be heard by multiple people. They always are anyway, but I want to make sure the things that I have get in. We only have five minutes to make our presentation. 
then they can come back to us for summation. And the problem is what it has been. Reggie Wayne and Torrey Holt, guys who won Super Bowl rings, guys who played for Hall of Fame coaches, had multiple Hall of Famers around them, which is something I hit on a lot in the first two years that he was eligible, but that didn't help him get get in. Last year, all three of them made the cut from 15 to 10. None made the cut from 10 to 5, which gets you enshrined. So it's not that people don't think he deserves to be in. People say, oh, Andre Johnson deserves to be in, but so do Reggie Wayne yeah. and Torrey Holt. Yeah, I just think Andre's a better football player than both those well, guys. We all I, do. Yeah, I, I mean, I just think – and, John, you know how I can tell that Andre – wants this really, really badly. I was watching that interview that Will Kunkel from Fox 26 did with him this week and where he, he talked about a lot of things, talked about Andre's relationship with the McNairs, talked about, but talked a lot about the Hall of Fame. And he, at, Will asked Andre to make a case for the Hall of Fame. And Andre recited almost chapter and verse a lot of the bullet points that you just talked about that you probably talk about in the presentation. And it can come across... And Andre was cognizant of this. He acknowledged it. It can come across as him criticizing his teammates through his time with the Texans because his his platform, I think Will said, give us your elevator pitch about you being in the Hall of Fame. And his lead was, look, those guys, Reggie Wayne and Torrey Holt, they had Hall of Fame quarterbacks. They had Hall of Fame skill guys, you know, out there. They had Hall of Fame coaches, you know, whatever the case may be. Um and and Andre said, I had none of those things, you know, and, and then, he, then he's quick to point out, you know, that's no disrespect to any of my teammates. These are just the facts. He's like, I can't catch any more touchdown passes. All I can give you is the facts of my career. I think that someone like Andre Johnson, who strikes me as one of the most selfless people that there is, like a great teammate, a great teammate, that he would go there, that he would go somewhere where he asked almost caveat afterwards that I don't mean it to sound this way sort of thing. That to me is a tell as to how badly he wants this, that he would even stray into that territory. You know what I mean? Well, they all do. And some of them are locks like Peyton Manning and John yeah. Elway and Joe Montana and Tom Brady yeah. and those, those guys, but others. And I'm sure he's only been a finalist for two years. I know guys who are go to the 20th year of modern eligibility, their last year before they become a senior candidate. And then they get in. Jerry Kramer waited 37 years after his eligibility was up mm -hmm. and he finally got in with the seniors committee. I want Andre to get in, but there's nothing he can say that's going to help himself. There's nothing he can say no. that the voters don't all know yeah. because they watched him and they've heard me pitching him for two years. And so I'll do it again. I do the very best job I can possibly do. Same I did with all those Oilers that got in and hopefully third time will be the charm. Hopefully so. Hopefully that's the case. All right, three more, John. Uh, Joe Q, frequent emailer, says um, he's got an observation about or a question about whether players um, talks about great players are generally available. Like if you look at the like the fifteen longest uh, consecutive games played streaks, ten of them are Hall of Famers. That kind of thing. Um, being injury proof versus injury prone, how much does that impact the value of key Texans players? When it comes to a second contract, he says one player who was clearly devalued by injuries was Clowney. He's consistently been very productive when he's on the field, but never got a multi-year contract after his rookie deal. He did get offered a multi-year contract by the Texans, but he turned it down. I'll, I'll point that out. He was but offered John, seventy-five million. They couldn't give him a hundred million because they were already yeah. given Watt a hundred million, and his right. agent Buzz Cook turned it down. Right, and now he's been this this gypsy for the last five or six years that 
bounces from team to team to team, playing pretty well. He's playing real well for the Ravens this year, Clowney is. But as far as, and I guess, you know, as we start to think about guys, if we add some context and specificity, a guy like John Grenard, how much is this ankle injury that he suffered just now, John, hurting him when it comes to his value on a second contract with the Texans? I think teams may, they're going to look at everything about his career and they would see he's hurt every year. If he misses one game, it's okay. If he misses two, and if he were to miss a playoff game, but people are going to think, do we want to give this massive contract to a guy that that can't stay on the field the whole year? And the most games he played was in a contract year. So, yes, I think it's going to cost him some money as compared if he had just breezed through and gotten 14, 15 sacks. Yeah, I mean that. I think John. I think that's pretty high up there on the when when teams, especially second contracts, you can you can draft a guy who maybe had injury issues. The Texans certainly have done that, um, and, it, and it hurts if they do get injuries. I and mean, look at Kenyon Green. Look at Derek Stingley. His first couple of years that hurts. But when you're giving fifteen, twenty million a year, you know, fifty, sixty million guaranteed to a guy, and he's giving you seven games a year or something like that, man, in a salary cap world, that is a killer, an absolute killer. They have all the inside, all the inside information about what the injuries are, how severe they are, how they suffered them. So they know they have a lot more information to go by than we do. Mm -hmm. But I think it's much tougher to get that kind of money that he's going to want if if you're hurt at some point every year than as as opposed to being healthy. Two more. Jeff and Katie, how should the NFL handle Carolina Panthers owner Dave Tepper? You can't be throwing drinks on fans. Suspend him for the season of all team and league activities. Get him out of there. You would. Okay. So if you were Roger Goodell, who, by the way, works for Dave Tepper and the other 31 owners. Well, he worked for Dan Snyder too. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I'm, I'm being tongue in cheek. You, but if you were the commissioner, you would suspend David Tepper for a year, huh? Absolutely. Okay. He deserves it. You can't do that. There's players. Players are held accountable. Owners should be held accountable. There's no amount of money that would hurt him. If you took away a draft choice, that's just hurting players and the team. They got nothing to do with it other than being terrible. So they already missing so many draft choices. I would get him out of there. Now, what he'll probably do, they'll suspend him for multiple games, tell him to take a hike. And uh, that'd be the best thing that could happen for the franchise. Dude, John, you hit the nail on the head. I'm like, God, I hope they suspend him for a year and the Panthers, I don't want him to win a Super Bowl or anything, but they win like nine games next year and then he comes back and they're back to picking first in the draft. <laughs> that would be the greatest thing ever. All right, last one, John. This is from our friend Rick Tyndall, who texted me before the podcast to say, is it too late to get a question in for the mailbag? And I said, no, just text it to me, Rick, and I'll ask John. I want to call foul on John's stock down on C.J. Stroud in the last episode. Just to refresh, John, remember you gave C.J. Stroud a stock down because of the sack that he took, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rick contends it was really a fourth stock up for the Texans O-line for only giving up one sack on a previously concussed C.J. Stroud. John needs to stick to the rules. That just shows you how little Rick knows about football. Because the offensive line didn't give up that sack. C.J. Stroud gave up that sack, and Rick knows it. Stevie Wonder could see it. but uh, And also, Rick, who would you have given that other stock down to? That's one thing. We were mm-hmm. really, really reaching we deep to yeah. come up with players, and that's all I could think of was the sack. Yeah, we were thin. We were thin. On Actually, Rick's down. a football genius, Cougar fan, good friend of mine. 
No, I know. Rick's great. I just I thought it was funny. He was so passionate about it. He texted me like 10 minutes before we started recording. Is it too late? Is it too late? <laughs> he, he just wanted to tell you to stick to the rules. He's the Stroud police, John. He's not going to let you besmirch the good name of one uh, Coleridge Stroud the fourth. All right. Uh, John, what do you got going on on the website? I have a column that was posted this morning about the Texans and their opportunity in Indianapolis and what it all means and what their history has been there, including going back to the last game of last season. And uh, and it's so fun going down memory lane. Uh, actually, all those seasons. But Texans owe them. They need to get revenge for the first game. Yeah. They need to get revenge for that playoff game they blew here at Andrew Luck in which the whole team looked bad. And then I got another column up there with them, and I'll have a column. I think I'm going to do one tomorrow or today on Will Anderson Jr., what he needs to do to be voted defensive rookie of the year, what a great opportunity is for him, D'Amico Ryans, to finish second, and Nick Casario to be given some love for executive of the year. Are you buying any of this Puka Nakua gaga again about getting offensive rookie of the year? Vegas. You know, Peter King, who didn't mention D'Amico one time and only mentioned a name from the Texans as Stroud, yeah. uh, not having his vote for Offensive Rookie of the Year, it was Puka Nakua. Yeah, Peter King didn't Who's have his Who's had his quarterback column. all year. Yeah, P- Peter King didn't have his best column this week. I read his football morning in America. He was he seemed off. He seemed like he'd been on vacation. He admitted he'd been on vacation <laughs> in California visiting his daughter. So I'm like, yeah, you, you're writing like somebody who's watched – not nearly as much football as you usually watch. And I know he usually watches a ton every week. He's, nobody puts in more time to their Monday column than Peter King. No. So I'm not throwing shade about his work ethic, but he, he, he was anything that involved the Texans. I'm like, all right, you, I, I see where they stand on your radar PK. All right. If, if they win this game, I'll guarantee you, they're going to get a lot of love oh, in yeah, football morning awesome. in America by Peter King on pro football talk and NBC. Can't wait. What an opportunity. This is going to be so much fun on Saturday night. I have no idea when we're going to record our game recap because I'm done with the post game show at like 1.15 in the morning. Let's and do it Sunday. James, we'll do Let's it, do it after the game Sunday so we'll know who's what. Oh, what it looks like. Yeah, good call, John. We'll know what the whole scenario is. Yeah, Getting there you Buffalo go. Buffalo, like the that. late game, so we'd be doing it like at midnight. Yeah, well, I don't know if we want to do it after that game. Yeah, we'll see. I'm available anytime. We'll figure it all out. We'll figure it all out. But for those of you out there who are loyal listeners, we appreciate you. If you're just finding the podcast, click the subscribe button so you get it automatically, especially now. We might have a playoff run on our hands. That would be a whole lot of fun, and hopefully you've been enjoying things this season. And if you click that subscribe button, it helps everybody involved, including the two mugs that you're looking at here if you're watching this on the video stream. Um, Big thanks to James Jackson, our producer. Love starting 2024 with James. Does a great job with the podcast getting it out to all of you. So for the Hall of Famer, John McClain, and for our producer, James, I am Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We'll see all of you on Thursday for a preview of the win and you are in game on Saturday night between the Texans and the Colts. Have a great weekend.